0: It
1: went like, 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 like. Oh, one, two, three, four. Hello and welcome, this is Elsbeth Majilton, one of your hosts for the Girls Code Lincoln podcast.
0: And I'm Akriti Agarwal. In March 2020, our clubs, like organizations around the world, had to shut down. During the time, we still wanted to be there to support and inspire our students, focusing on confidence and life skills we started the Empower presentation series. Our speakers met directly with our clubs online and the talks are available on the Girls Code Lincoln YouTube channel. The speakers in the series have a variety of careers and backgrounds. We know that confidence and leadership skills matter in every industry. Even as our club started back up, we recognize the need for kids to hear from confident and underrepresented voices in our community, perhaps now more than ever. This spring, in conjunction with the Women Lead Conference, sponsored by the
1: University of Nebraska Colleges of Business and Law, we're reviving the Empower series on the podcast. We've invited the speakers at this one-day conference to join Aucardy and I for interviews that will come out as standalone episodes in the Empower series. We are so pleased to welcome Lindsay Thomson to the
0: show. Lindsay, to start us off, would you introduce yourself and tell us about what you do?
2: Sure. My name is Lindsay Thompson. I am a professor of practice at the College of Business here at UNL. Um, I teach entrepreneurship classes, franchise classes, and family business. And I also own a business co-founder with a business partner called FPPG, or Franchise Peer Performance Groups.
1: All right. So we will dive into all of that as <laughs> we work through our interview, but I'd like to start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your childhood and where you're from.
2: Sure, I was born and raised in Omaha. My family is still all there, that's where I um, live. Came to Lincoln for college and then went to UNO for my master's in counseling. Moved back to uh, Omaha and went into private practice for 10 years as a therapist, and then got the business bug and (laughs) bought a business and then sold it, got even more into business and kind of gotten me to where I am today. Yeah. So we really like to ask our
0: guests what they wanted to be when they grow up and how do you think that changed as you
2: grew up? So that's interesting because I remember, well, I danced a good old ballet and tap. So I, I thought I wanted to be a dancer, but I also remember saying that I wanted to be a doctor. And I think I liked the the, the caregiving and working with with people and and I liked going to hospitals, not that I ever had to go for anything medically, but I just it seemed like an interesting environment and people seemed busy and they looked like they worked really hard. But I think once I got to probably middle school and high school, I, I didn't think I wanted to be a doctor anymore. And then once I became an adult and I realized – There are other ways that you can be a doctor. You don't have to be a medical doctor. You can be an educational doctor or a philosophical doctor. Now I laugh when I look back when I said I wanted to be a doctor because then I was – I finally did. I actually went to school long enough and became a doctor of philosophy for business. Just a different kind of doctor, right? Just a different (laughs) kind of doctor. I don't do Band-Aids, right? So
1: let's talk about undergrad or your college education. What was your major when you started? What was
2: it when you finished? And what did college look like for you? That's a really great question. Uh, So my family has a family business. I'm the third generation in it. It's a spice business that my grandfather started uh, about 40 years ago. And I used to love visiting him in the business. Uh, you had to wear a hairnet. And I always left smelling like garlic and cinnamon, spices that don't <laughs> really go together. And I loved the fact that my grandpa owned this business, but I wasn't interested in spices. So when I got to college, I didn't want to take any business classes because I didn't want to have to go into the family business. Not that it what anybody was telling me I needed to. I just thought, Well, I don't want anything to do with that. So I'm not going to take any business classes. And I liked psychology, but I thought, well, I don't know what you do with that kind of a degree career wise. And I always liked fitness and exercise and health. So I went to exercise science. And I really struggled for four years in all the classes, biology, chemistries. That did not come easy to me. So while I loved my friends in school, I loved Lincoln for school. I did not do a very good job picking the right degree. And I didn't speak up about it. I didn't ask anybody about it. So I just kept going. Then four years later, I graduated with exercise science. And I and I had a, a moment of what am I gonna do with this degree? And I was thinking physical therapy. I thought that sounded really fun. And I worked for a physical therapy clinic. But I heard that it was really tough to get into PT school. So I thought, well, what about psychology? I always liked it. So I thought, you can get a master's in counseling psychology and be a therapist. And that, it's like this joy just overtook me. I was so excited. So I applied to grad school and became a therapist. Um, Through that journey, did you have any internships or externships? What did you take away from those experiences? Well so in college I worked for a physical therapy clinic and I I really enjoyed it. I I enjoyed the environment, the the place that I went, it was a woman that owned it and she just looked like a cool boss and she managed the business really well and i loved what she was doing so that that mentored me wanting me to become a physical therapist but then i couldn't so when i when i graduated with the masters i uh, the place that i joined was based on where my mentor was and one of my favorite professors in grad school and i think she was so impactful for me and she was such a positive person in my life that i thought I would actually like to continue to be mentored by her, so that's why I chose to go into private practice alongside her because I knew to to grow up near a mentor sounded like a great opportunity for me personally to be able to grow from.
1: So, talk about your transition then into
2: graduate school, PhD program, and first jobs. Great question. So, the first thing I realized when I started private practice as a therapist. As I really liked owning a business. (laughs) So I knew that I probably, looking back, I would have benefited so much from taking a business class or more business classes. (laughs) So I had to learn as I went. And after 10 years in private practice, I thought, Let's go full business. Let's go find a business that I could just own and just be the owner of. And then I found Franchise because I thought, well, that comes with an owner's guide. It comes with a brand. People already know about it. So now you just have to pick a brand that is great and it's in an industry that is going to be really exciting and, and fun for you. So I thought, well, I love working with women and women's issues and I love fitness. So I looked in the fitness industry and I found a Curves So it was literally a fitness gym for women. And I just got all excited about it. And that's how I bought the first business. And that kind of changed my life going forward because I owned it for a couple of years. Um, Tripled the business, actually sold it. And I either needed to buy more businesses or do something different. And since I learned to like franchise so much, I wanted to know what the other side of franchise was going to be like. So I joined a franchisor to become a business coach. And fell in love with franchise even more. I loved working with business owners. It was so much fun. And that's what encouraged me to go back to school. I thought, I've never taken a business class in my life. (laughs) And I've now learned later in life that I love business. So I found out that there's such thing as a PhD in business psychology, which sounded fantastic. It was psychology-based, everything I loved. But I was finally going to get all this business knowledge So I applied to school and four years later graduated with a Ph.D. in business psych. And you didn't even have to sell cinnamon and garlic. I did not. No (laughs) hairnets required. I love that. You
0: mentioned franchising quite a bit. Will you tell our listeners what a franchise is and just the
2: basis of how that works? Absolutely. So usually when we when we hear franchise, we think of McDonald's. And that just does it a disservice. Franchising was actually invented by a woman in 1880s. It was a woman out of New York and she wanted to be able to help other women get, get into business. So she came up with, it was basically like a hair salon and she started it, but then she brought other women in and she would teach them how to be a business owner and gave them the brand and said, I'm gonna teach you how to do this. Now you go own this business. And I'm going to take a little bit of the sales, so like three, five, six percent. But then in exchange, I'll always train you. I'll continue to coach you, and I'm going to connect you with all these awesome other business owners, so you feel like you're not alone. But you get to be an entrepreneur. So that's where it started. In fact, the next time that you go get your hair done and you put your head in the bowl and it has that little cutout, yeah. that was invented by this woman who came up with franchising in 1880. That's how long those have been around. So franchising goes back all the way till then. But since then, franchising now covers every single industry. There's 4,600 brands just in the United States. So you've got your McDonald's and all your food. You've got fitness. You've got home care. They're IT companies. Um, You name it, there's a business that represents it. So basically, you buy into it and you get to grow your business. It's all yours, but you're part of a bigger community and you have all these other business owners that share the same brand. So you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. That's really cool. Thank you for explaining that. One of the other things that you mentioned is a
0: PhD and you got your PhD in something that wasn't your undergrad or your master's, which a lot of people think that when you do a PhD, you have to do it in whatever those other two degrees was in. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that works?
2: Absolutely. I, I don't know who made up the rule that you're supposed to stay <laughs> in one discipline for all your degrees because it's probably hogwash. And it doesn't really make any sense because learning is just awesome. So why not learn in all these other disciplines that are just going to make you more well-rounded? So if something brings you joy and it's going to help round you out and now you get to then go back to the world and do something bigger and better with that education, who cares if it's in three different disciplines?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So you are also a professor of practice here at the university. Can you talk a little bit more about what you do now, both as a professor and how you balance that with being business owners?
2: Ooh, balance. That's a really big word. Um, So yes, a professor of practice at the College of Business. I actually came down here because we're starting a franchise program because we haven't had one since the 80s. So now these awesome students at the College of Business get to learn what franchising is and how they can potentially become a franchisee and pursue their entrepreneurial dreams. So I'm working to build out that program, which has a franchise club. We bring in awesome speakers all over the world, actually. And then the class is going to kick off this fall. So they'll get to learn what franchise opportunities look like. Um, And then in addition to that, I do have my business And balance is a work in progress. It takes (laughs) a lot of communication on both sides, a lot of self-care, scheduling myself and time for me, recognizing when I need to set a boundary and say, I I just need to stop working right now and I need to take the night off. Um, And then communicating with both my business partner and my great team here at the university and delegating things and asking for help when I need help.
0: Yeah, you t- t- in your session today, you talked about managing burnout. And I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. I mean, even younger children, there are just so many stimuli and there's so much social media. And it feels like there's always information being thrown at us. What advice would you give to tackle that? And how do you handle burnout with yourself?
2: Yeah, that's a a really good question. So some of the things I covered in the talk is digital burnout, Mm -hmm. just knowing when we need to turn off our phones, not sleep next to it, and even the social media feeds, just cleaning it out so it only has things on it that bring you joy and make you feel good and not ads and messages that make you think that you're not good enough or that you need to strive for something that's different than you. So cleaning up those feeds, I think, is really important. Um, But then also boundaries with people, knowing knowing where you end and others begin, just taking care of yourself and learning when to say no and when to say yes, I think are really important things to help you to prevent burnout or at least reduce it when things get really tough. So
1: we like to call this next section the fill-in-the-blank section. <laughs> so it is, what is the blank part of your career? And so the first the first uh, word we're going to put in there is, what is the best
2: part of your career? Hmm. Um, I think the people across the whole board, the team that I get to work with at the Center for Entrepreneurship, they're so inspiring, and they invigorate me to keep – to keep on top of me, always growing. The students that are always coming in just inspire the heck out of me. And then at my at my business, my business partner, she's just she's phenomenal, and she's my opposite, and she makes me grow and stretch and um, holds me accountable to things that I probably never thought I could do before.
0: Yeah, what's
2: the hardest part of your career careers? I think just balancing it right now. It's the first semester that I'm balancing both and feeling new um, at the school side of it. I think I just need more time to get my feet underneath me to figure out how I'm going to balance it. Um, it's a lot better today than it was two months ago when I was brand new and still going through new, new, new employee. Um, so I think time is going to help out me feeling like I'm balancing it successfully. All right, our next
1: one is scariest. What is the scariest part of your career?
2: Hmm.
1: I feel like we can also use the word intimidating or whatever. You know, sometimes <laughs> maybe scariest isn't the right way to phrase it.
2: <laughs> um. You know, whether it's scary or intimidating, I think the way that my mentors help me to see those words are – that means opportunity. So, I mean, if it was bad scary – then I wouldn't have done it. But good scary is just fear and it's different. And I guess my mentors have helped me to see that door says open. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's such a great mindset to have. Mm -hmm. Um, What is the most rewarding part of your career?
2: I would probably have to go back to people. Um, I I I think being surrounded by such great people I'm always in a constant state of learning and growing and I get to contribute to other people's learning journeys and growth journeys that's just it's like full circle inspirational
0: all right
1: we like to end thinking about inspiration Mm -hmm. and sometimes it feels a little backwards but I always like to start the inspiration conversation with failures Mm -hmm. (laughs) right where did we learn where did we have opportunities
2: for growth so can you tell us about a failure in your life or career Yeah, I've, I mean, I've failed all over the darn place. Um, And the one thing I really like about business is failure is accepted with gusto. In fact, if you, if you think that you're going to fail or something's not working out, like fail fast, like just figure it out and pick yourself up. So I'm definitely, I'm great at failing, but I think, I think the one area that I need to work on the most is separating the thing that I failed from and not aligning it with who I am. So if I fail that fill in the blank, it doesn't mean that I am a failure, but the thing that happened didn't work out. That was a failure. So that is, I'm a work in progress in it, but regardless across the board, when when, when I fall down and skin my knee, it's like, you're not bad. That was a learning opportunity, but it doesn't define you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Going from that, tell us about a big success
2: in your life or career. Um, well, I finished my PhD during the pandemic. So it was probably six months into the pandemic, and I could tell my brain was foggy. I joked with my husband that my brain was sweaty. I was just (laughs) stressed, and I knew I needed to finish it, but I felt really alone. We were in lockdown at the time, and I'm at the very end of it, and I needed to finish it. And the fact that I did I just can't believe when I was a kid, I said, I want to be a doctor someday. And that was the defining moment of you're on this. For me, it was a phone call when you're defending your dissertation. And and if it's accepted, your dissertation committee says, congratulations, Dr. Thompson. And it's like everything happened in one moment. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm a doctor. That's what I said I wanted to be when I was a kid. And it's like it came to fruition. And it's just the one defining moment. Somebody finally calls you doctor for the first time and that was a really cool moment That's so great uh what is the biggest piece of advice you would have for a young woman finding their way surround yourself with awesome mentors find as many as you possibly can and put them in your back pocket and then just as important identify who around you is not your mentor so when they say something or suggest something Don't take it to heart if they're not on your mentor list. If it doesn't serve you and it doesn't come from a place of joy or truth or respect or this is meant to help you grow, don't listen to it. Lean back on your mentors. I love that. That
1: reminds me a little bit. Is it? Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Who's <laughs> <laughs> was yeah. like my favorite out there that know who to listen to, who are you yep. getting your feedback from. Yeah, I, love I think that. she
2: says put it in your one by one. Your yep. mentors should be on a little tiny sheet of paper, one inch by one inch. And yeah. if somebody is telling you something and they're not on that list, then that's what you say. You're not on my list. I'm not going to listen to that. Or I'm not going to let it impact me or I'm not going to let that affect me. Mm-hmm. Not on my list. I love yeah. that. Absolutely.
0: Thank you Dr. Thompson for joining us today. <laughs> um, we are so glad you're here and thanks for sharing all this great advice with us. Thanks Sacratti. This was really fun. And thank you to
1: Lysander Marquez, a Girls Code Lincoln volunteer and the technical producer of this podcast. Our theme music is Then It Wet Like by Grace messa
0: Thanks listeners for joining us today. Um, Girls Code Lincoln is a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Lincoln, Nebraska, where we strive to ignite a passion for technology and leadership in young girls with the long-term goal of closing the gender gap in STEM. Learn more at girlscodelincoln.org.
1: Thanks to Girls Code Lincoln sponsors, including Fuse Coworking for our beautiful space, the Nebraska Governance and Technology Center at the University of Nebraska for technical services,
0: and the Mentors Foundation, Huddle, Assurity, Emeritus, and Don't Panic Labs for their organizational support. Want to hear from more women in coding and business? Tell your friends about this podcast and share it on social media. Word of mouth is our best advertising.